our Father, great God of all glory, on this stormy night, it is good for us to remember that thou art the God of all peace, and that we stand safe and secure when we are resting upon the rock of thy word. And so we pray this night that you will open up your word before us, and that you will indeed speak unto us, that we might grow in grace, in the knowledge and love of the Lord. And so we ask for thy blessing upon this our time together. The name of Christ Jesus may be lifted up and exalted in our midst. For we ask this in his precious name. Amen. Amen. We're in the book of Acts again tonight, please. The book of Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read from verse 22 through to the end of verse 28. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Tonight we're coming to the 24th verse of Acts chapter 2. We're continuing with Peter's sermon before this crowd of devout Jews as he began with this great event of the speaking in tongues and the reaction of the crowd when they wondered what it mean what it meant and others mocked and we're, we've looked at the life of the Lord Jesus a man approved of God and we've looked at his death being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. But 
also seen the responsibility that the people bore. Ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. And continuing on from that last phrase there, Peter contrasts what the nation did with what God then did. They, with wicked hands, crucified and slew him. In verse 24, whom God hath raised up. They despised and rejected him. But God has raised him up. And this contrast is very clear. Peter is applying to their consciences to bring conviction of sin for their terrible deeds. Peter is saying that it was in God's determinate counsel or foreknowledge for Jesus of Nazareth to be taken and slain. But it was also in his determinate counsel and foreknowledge for him to be raised up again. Those who thought they were doing away with Jesus of Nazareth were grossly mistaken. It was part of the determinate counsel and foreknowledge that he should be raised again for whom God hath raised up. And you know this principle and subject of resurrection is not an entirely new idea. It's something that they would have been familiar with. For if we look back in the scripture we see that Isaac was taken and offered up. And as a figure Abraham received him from the dead accounting that God was able to raise him from the dead later on we see that Elijah and Elisha were actually involved in raising people from the dead we'll just take a look at Elijah 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings the 17th chapter and the 22nd verse. Well, in fact, we look back a little before that. We see here this widow of Saraph and she has a son. And this son dies. And she comes to Elijah for help. If we look there at verse 21. And he, that's Elijah, stretched himself upon the child three times. 
and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. You see, Elijah was used in raising this son to life. Elisha was also likewise used. You can see that in Second Kings chapter 4, but we won't take time to look at that. But this was also something that took place in the ministry of Christ. And we can see, perhaps, one example is in Luke's Gospel, chapter 7, the 7th chapter of Luke's Gospel, and the 11th verse. And it came to pass the day after that he went into a city called Nain, and many of the disciples went with him, and much people. And when he came nigh to the gate of the city, behold, there was a dead man carried out, and the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and much people of the city was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and said unto her, Weep not. And he came and touched the bier, or coffin, and they that bare him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say unto thee, Arise. And he that was dead sat up and began to speak. And he delivered him to his mother. And there came a fear on all. And they glorified God, saying, That a great prophet is among, risen up among us, and that God hath visited his people. And this rumour of him went forth throughout all Judea, and throughout all the region round about. You know, the Lord Jesus was known for his raising of the dead to life again. There are other examples, perhaps the most famous of which is the raising of Lazarus. But you see, it has to be said, it shouldn't have come as a shock that somebody might be raised from the dead. But the Lord Jesus was accursed. He had hung on the tree. He had been utterly rejected. But God had raised him from the dead. You know, when his body was in that tomb, Elaborate precautions were taken. We see those in Matthew 27. Matthew's Gospel 27. And the 57th verse. And when the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate. And begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulchre and departed. 
and there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulchre. Now, the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together under Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command therefore that the sepulchre be made sure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away, and say unto the people, He has risen from the dead, so the last error shall be worse than the first. And Pilate said unto them, Ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as ye can. So they went and made the sepulchre sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. You see, the scribes and the Pharisees, they, the chief priests, they were concerned. They knew that the Lord Jesus had predicted that he would rise again. They wanted to take every precaution to make sure that nobody uh, could falsify or fraudulently claim that he had risen from the dead. We look back there at verse 62. There's a point there that might confuse. Verse 62, now the next day, that followed the day of the preparation. It sounds rather like to us, it sounds rather like it was the next morning. But actually, if you notice there that the placing of his body in the tomb happened when it was evening. It happened before the sun went down. And under Jewish time, sunset was the end of the day. And once the sun had set, it was the next day. And so this was just after his body had been placed in that tomb, that the chief priests and the Pharisees came and arranged for the tomb to be sealed and the guard placed there. It wasn't that his body had been left lying in that tomb overnight. They were quick off the mark to see that a guard would be there and a watch set that nobody could come and take his body away and claim that he had risen from the dead. But you know, the Lord's disciples, in spite of the Lord's teaching on the subject, were not expecting him to rise from the dead. Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, we see here these faithful women. The first verse there. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Salome had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulchre at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulchre? You see, they had come expect, 
expecting to find his body available to be treated with these spices. Spices that they had bought at some expense. They, the faithful followers of the Lord Jesus, they had a great love for him. But they had no expectation that his body would be gone. That he would have been raised from the dead. They assume it would still be there. If you drop down to the 11th verse. Well, verse 10. And she went and told them, that's the disciples, that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. You see, when the disciples heard the news, they, they were already in a state of mourning and weeping. Disaster had befallen them. Their master had been taken from them. He was dead. Buried in that tomb. All hope was gone. And even when they heard the news that he was risen, they didn't believe. And elsewhere we read of Thomas, who refused to believe, as he said, until he could touch those wounds with his own hands. The disciples were not expecting the Lord Jesus to rise from the dead. They don't seem to have understood the message as well as the chief priests had. They knew what the Lord Jesus had taught. They were expecting something to be staged and took every precaution to ensure it couldn't be. Yet their precautions... Just go. To make more sure the witness. That his body. Could not have been. Stolen away. God used. Their precautions for his glory. We see too the. The two. On the road to Emmaus. Luke 24. If you remember the Lord drew to them. In verse 17 he asked, What manner of communication are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? See, even as they were walking in the way, it was obvious these were sad. Verse 18, and one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, 
and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. You see these, these two on the road to Emmaus there. They had heard those testimonies. They'd heard the testimony of those who in response to the women's message had gone to the sepulchre. They'd heard that the tomb was empty. But they were still filled with sadness and despondency. They had not been expecting the Lord Jesus to rise from the dead and even yet they could not believe that he had done so. Even as he talked with them on the way. Their hearts were filled with sadness. Did you see? The resurrection of the Lord Jesus was totally different to those we've looked at briefly. When Elijah came, when Elisha came, they stretched out themselves upon the body of the one who had died. When the Lord Jesus came to raise those that had died, we saw him speak to that corpse. But when the Lord Jesus rose from the dead, we read, whom God raised. There was no outside human agency. You know, we have to be slightly careful when we read whom God raised. Let's just turn to John chapter 10. There would be a temptation amongst some to read these words and think that the Lord Jesus had no part in his being raised from the dead. But as to misunderstand the word before us, we must remember that the Lord Jesus was God, God the Son. John chapter 10 and verse 17. But the Lord Jesus said, concerning himself, Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. That I might take it again. You know, in speaking to these devout Jews, it would have been too strong a teaching 
uh, to have sought to explain anything uh, concerning the doctrine of the Trinity, the deity of Christ. But Peter is being totally honest and truthful when he says, whom God raised. It was indeed the work of God when the Lord Jesus rose from the dead. Whom God has raised up, having loosed the pains of death. When we read this word loose, it's simply the opposite of binding. It means to be set free, having loosed the pains of death. Remember the Lord Jesus released that woman who'd had a spirit of infirmity. <coughs> 18 years. He, he loosed her. He set her free. She'd been bound up by that spirit. Read of that in Luke 13. Having loosed the pains of death. You know, when the Lord Jesus died, his body was held in death's realm. You know, it was important that there was time between his death and his resurrection. Obviously, if he had died and been raised again moments later, people would have doubted that he'd ever died. But being placed in that tomb, being sealed and guarded in that tomb, sets it beyond doubt that he had truly died. But in his resurrection we also see that death could not contain him, couldn't hold him trapped in, couldn't bind him in. Death had no the power over him. This this term, the pains of death, seems to have its origin in the idea of the, the pains involved in, in childbirth. One or two of the older commentators I looked up used some unusual words. I had to go and look up their meaning and the words they were using simply meant childbirth. But we can see that the concept that the person that has died is held in by death. Even as a baby is within its mother. But death could not contain Christ. Just as a mother cannot resist giving birth, 
when the time has come well that baby will come out and the mother is delivered of it you see Christ after he had died suffered no pain it is finished had been his cry its atoning work was done but there is that sense that whilst this body lay within the tomb death was under that strain that it could not contain him and he was delivered of it raised to life again unable to contain Christ loosed the pains of death death that terribly somber word that reminds us of the consequences of sin. The wages of sin is death. Not mankind's original state, but that dire condition caused by rejection of God's word. That dire condition caused by willful disobedience by Adam in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die and indeed Adam died and brought death upon us all spiritual death physical death in time came upon Adam the consequence of sin but you know death had no claim upon Christ why? because he was the one who could gain the victory we read here 